welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my coins. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got to change that to eat. Yeah. Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Oh, <laughs> uh, just lock myself in a procedure room. That's Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you and she's on top. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. So, Polly, tell me about your week. What you've been up to, what you've been doing. So it's my first week of actual lectures and seminars and stuff this week. So I've had to do work. Um, I've ended up with Freshers Flu, which is wonderful after bragging for two weeks about not getting it. Um, so, yeah, I've started my degree, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, so it has been quite a busy week, actually, compared to what I'm used to, where, to be fair, I haven't actually done that much in the past three weeks or so. Um, but no, it's been good. Fantastic. So um, for listeners that aren't sure, you're up in Manchester now. Yeah, I'm up in Manchester studying multimedia journalism. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting first week. Um, a lot of the stuff we're doing in lectures I've kind of done before. So that's quite interesting because mm-hmm. I guess... Like on one hand, obviously, there's still always stuff to learn. Um, but then a lot of other people around you are doing it for the first time and things like that. But we've done, you know, different in seminars, we've done practical things. So I've had to interview people or write articles and stuff. So I've kind of enjoyed doing that because at the moment, that's still very much within my comfort zone. Um, mm. But again, that's been like group projects. So it's, it's, I mean, I suppose then it's different to what I've already done because most of the time I'm working on my own, which in some ways is a lot easier. Um, but yeah, it's been quite interesting. Yeah, other people you'll find get in the way quite badly when it comes to <laughs> getting the job done. But actually they're really, really important, aren't they? You know, yeah. to be part of a team and and learning to work alongside others and uh, getting other people's perspectives and and finding ways of including other people and and um developing other people and that sort of thing so yeah interesting interesting skills that you're um that you're working on there um and in the world of cricket this week i noticed there's been some award ceremonies going on for various regions and uh and pca awards as well is that right yeah, so there was a big PCA Awards in London earlier in the week. So most or a lot of the female cricketers and probably men's cricketers as well had a big ceremony down there. Um, but then all the regions have had, a lot of them have had theirs. Um, so I know Thunder had theirs last week. Uh, Olivia Bell got Young Player of the Year, which I was excited to see. Yeah. Um, and Fee Morris got Player of the Year which I was, I mean, I, I think I said on Twitter, but she's kind of been the signing of the season. I suppose if you take the internationals out of it, in terms of what she's brought to Thunder and actually how she's developed over the season, she's been really interesting to watch and she's a really strong signing for them. Yeah, I mean, such a significant player for them, I, I think, you know, in that run to... Um... 
the Charlotte Edwards Cup eliminator game, and uh, and then just throughout the season in mm-hmm. uh, in the Hayhoe Flint games as well. I, yeah, I mean, really, I suppose to have someone who can bat, who can bowl, who's experienced, a, a, and you know, do everything. I I think it's really really good to be alongside you know, other people in that team who are less experienced but have got a great future ahead of them in the game. You know, think of Saren Smale, um, it, for example, Liberty Heap. So to have someone like Fee Morris playing alongside them, I think is a really, really good um, investment. Yeah, definitely. And um, elsewhere, there's been uh, awards for Katie Levick. She was voted Players Player of the Year, which is nice to see. And she also got, I think, Bowler of the Year maybe for the whole season or just in one of the competitions. Georgia Adams got stuff down at the Vipers, uh, yes. Grace Ballinger at the Blaze. So kind of people you would expect really who have who have done really well this season. People we, we mentioned last week when we spoke about kind of our players of the season and emerging players, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Hika Gore got Young Player of the Year for with the mm. PCA. Um, yes. And... Tammy Beaumont got Player of the Year, I believe. That's right. And I think Natsi Verbrunt picked up the ODI Player of the Year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly for her string <laughs> of centuries against Australia. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I think, I, I mean, award ceremonies, I think, are really, are really good. We've talked before about honouring people and... Uh, and so on. So it's really, really nice to kind of round off the season in that way. And everyone goes into hibernation at this point, <laughs> except <laughs> cricket goes on, really, doesn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, some people have gone into hibernation, but actually there are a massive amount of people going to Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the Southern Hemisphere in general to keep playing cricket, which I guess has become a lot more popular and a more viable option as the women's game has grown because there are there are opportunities now so of course we've got the WBBL so I think it was announced the other day that Heather Knight is going to be captaining Sydney Thunder um we've right. got quite a, quite a few England players going down there um so that will be kind of interesting to follow and see how they do but then a lot of players from as we'll actually find out in uh later with our guest from a, a lot of other teams are, are heading down to Australia and New Zealand to to work on their skills so yeah it's um you know it's not just hibernation for the next few months there'll be a lot of hard work and for some people they'll get a bit of sun in between yes yeah i mean that's the dream isn't it to to live permanently in summer just going from one cricket season on one side of the world to uh to another that's um yeah maybe that's the future for you probably when you're a full-time cricket journalist in the future well, it's a nice thought. I mean, I would probably miss out on the football here, but you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll take the sun over anything. <laughs> um, the sun being the weather. Um, so anyway, we, uh, we've got international cricket to talk about, actually, because there have been two series going on in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got New Zealand away in South Africa, and we've also got the West Indies visiting Australia. Uh, firstly, let's chat about Australia-West Indies, because... That threw up one of the most interesting, like just the coolest game ever, really, um, with <laughs> the West Indies beating Australia. It's the first time they've beat Australia on Australian soil. Um, and I think the first time they've beat them since the 2016 World Cup. So wow. a huge, 
huge moment and it was also the most like the highest successful run chase in women's cricket um so huge result for West Indies particularly given that you know the state of West Indies cricket hasn't been amazing particularly in the last 12 months um so it's a real kind of boost and a bit of kind of confidence going forward I think I mean, it's so unexpected. You think about England going to the Caribbean um, less than a year ago and uh, absolutely trouncing the West Indies uh, to the point where we're thinking, actually, what is the future for them as a side? And uh, so they've gone to uh, Australia, played playing at North Sydney, where Australia never lose. And Australia hit 212 for six from 20 overs. And you think, well, that is game over. That is, you know, it, you know, they're going to re- they're going to win by a hundred runs plus here, aren't they? But West Indies chased it down with a ball to spare. Um, you know, thanks in no part to Hayley Matthews. What a player! Yeah, Hayley Matthews was fantastic because the day before she'd finished on ninety nine, uh, not the day before the game before even. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to come out and, and play like she did, it was fantastic to watch. So. I believe they've got some ODIs, I think three ODIs to play still in that uh-huh. series. Um, but yeah, it's exciting then. It's kind of just the start of their summer over there. I'm trying to think what month it is like equivalent to. It's like, is it April time now? The kind of equivalent well, of April? Um, That's six months are... ahead. Uh, yeah, I suppose we're, we're about to... We're about... Two three weeks beyond the equinox, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So it it will be about the equivalent of mid April. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess all the crickets starting up there. But um, no, it was, it was very interesting to kind of follow and and see how that developed. And then we mentioned about South Africa and New Zealand. Now South Africa won the first two ODIs, and then New Zealand won the most recent one. Amelia Kerr getting a century, which was fantastic. Um, right. Really, really good knock by her. So uh, that's been quite evenly contested, I think. Both national teams are in a bit of a weird place. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, like we know everything that's happened with South Africa um, over the last 12 months, 24 months. But with New Zealand, it has been also a weird time for them, not in the same way, but particularly with some of the selections made for the Commonwealth Games, they were some of the selections were quite rogue. They obviously did really well then at the Commonwealth Games, and some of those players have since been dropped, and they don't have that many players coming through. And so you've got people like Susie Bates and Sophie Devine still solid in that team. Leah Tahuhu, who they took her off the contract list, I think it was last year, but she's kind of been their key player recently. It's a very kind of bizarre situation and there aren't those players really coming through um, or there are, but they're not yet ready to play for New Zealand. So it's, I guess their domestic system isn't as strong yet um, and that's probably a factor. But yeah, it's it's been interesting to see those two teams play each other given that they're both kind of at weird points with the national team. Yeah, I mean, it makes you think that England have got an embarrassment of riches, really, well, yeah. <laughs> in terms of the people that are coming through. But yes, I, I guess, as you say, the domestic system in New Zealand 
is an issue. In South Africa, they seem to be getting their domestic system together. But of course, team selection for South Africa is always going to be a bit political. Mm. And we've seen a lot of that in the last uh, year or so, haven't we? With sort of enforced retirements of Lizelle mm. Lee, uh, Danny Van Nierkirk, uh, not an enforced retirement, but but you know, leaving it's, that yeah. environment in order to pursue uh, franchise cricket. Marathon Cap still hanging in there mm. um, and seems determined to do that despite effectively all her mates being kicked out of the mm. uh, the team, including her, her wife. And and then uh, you've got Sunny Luce uh, losing the, the captaincy as well. So it it's yeah it's all seemed a little bit strange. Yeah, it is a little bit bizarre. But I mean, you think about how actually how well South Africa did at the home their home World Cup, and yeah. it's like, oh, okay, that's actually really well. England didn't do that well. England should have done better. These things all kind of come back. But I don't know. It's it's been a good series, I think, actually, to follow though because the teams are relatively evenly matched. Um, yeah. But I mean, speaking about New Zealand, England are going to be playing New Zealand in February, is it? They head out. We're we're constantly playing New Zealand. This is the conversation we had the other day, wasn't it? <laughs> so yeah, in the last two years, we've just played them non-stop. It seems to me. I mean, we've got another away series and another home series against them. Yeah, well, um, you know, we. I mean, they're lovely. It's great. It's great. I'm bring them on. Yeah, well, I don't know if this is an exclusive. And, I mean, I'm allowed to say it because it's not like someone sent sent this to me embargoed or anything. But I noticed that there is going to be an under-19s England women's tour to... Was it Sri Lanka I said it was? Yes. I think yes. it's Sri Lanka. So it's going to be Sri Lanka, Australia and England under-19s playing in, I presume, like a tri-series over there in March and April next year. Um, which is really exciting because it just kind of points to, oh, we want to win the next Under-19 World Cup um, and also developing the next generation of England players. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds brilliant. I mean, I just think to the last Under-19 World Cup and it was amazing, wasn't it? It, it, was, it was brilliant. So anything that gives uh, opportunities to that age group, of course, who is available to be under 19 will vary from year to year. So it'll be interesting to see who gets selected, whether it will be people, only people who are eligible for the next under 19 World Cup to try and sort of form them as a team, or whether the people who are within the age group now, but won't be eligible then who might be considered as well. Uh, it would seem to make sense to me to, to actually form that future World Cup under 19 team now and have them performing together now. That's yeah, I guess I was thinking that, but at the same time, a lot of them will be like 16. And as much as, yeah, take 16-year-olds on an away tour, I think it makes sense to actually have some older players in that mm -hmm. side. There are some players who I actually, a lot of the um, under-19s from the World Cup, I don't think will be eligible because of, um, it depends when like cut-off is. It might not be as strict because it's not a World Cup. Um, but for example, Grace Scrivens, Rihanna McDonald Gay, I don't know if they'll Ellie Anderson, Hannah Baker, I don't know if they'll be too old. Um, mm. but I'd imagine there'll be a mix of 
older players I say older players I mean they'll only be 18 19 but um <laughs> you know more experienced players and then perhaps a couple of names we haven't really heard of who have been performing well in the academies who get picked for that um so it'll be interesting to watch and I mean I presume it's all confirmed I just saw them advertising a head coach role so <laughs> I presumed it's going ahead well, Polly, if they want an under-19 journalist to travel to Sri Lanka to cover it, maybe you are oh, the person. Take me, please. <laughs> pay, pay for my flights and I will be there. First-class flight and five-star hotel, I think. Yeah. It would be definitely... Basic you know, requirements, really. <laughs> but, yeah, that would be amazing. Would be I amazing. think that's all the cricket we have to chat about this week. As we say, obviously, it's the end of the season here, so... There's not tons to chat about because also there's not been contract stuff yet. Uh, once that kicks off, it will be exciting. Um, so we just have to kind of follow the Southern Hemisphere in the meantime. Yeah, WBBL, is that getting underway in the next few weeks? That'll start the next few weeks, yeah. Um, so that'll be good to follow. Obviously, it's at awkward times and there were like a million games, but we can follow it to some extent. Definitely follow the England players. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really, really uh, interesting to see how they do. Yeah, so let's introduce our guest. We spoke to Rubino Riker, um, from the Netherlands, who's an all-rounder. We'll speak about that, actually. Um, yeah. You've just been to the Netherlands, and you've been to her hometown, haven't you? I've just been to Den Haag. It is honestly one of my top cities now. Um, it's an Oh, I love the Netherlands, but Den Haag is amazing. Um yeah, it's a fantastic place and uh, would recommend for anyone to go. Um, yeah, so... go go, go and visit it. You don't need to just go there if you're um, appearing at the International Criminal Court. You can go there <laughs> as a tourist as well. Yeah, there are many other things you can do um, whilst you're in the Netherlands other than being put on trial. Yes, so it was great to talk to her about her career, about Netherlands cricket. Uh, and about, I suppose, things that she's had to go through over over the past few years. It's not been a, a smooth journey for her. So here is our interview with Rabina. Uh, so to start off, what's your cricket story? How did you first get into cricket? Um, well, to be honest, pretty random in the Netherlands because I don't have any relatives who knew cricket. I kind of just rolled into it. Um, very good recruitment from the football slash cricket club that uh, my brother played football at when he was five. Well, I'm a twin, so I was also five. And um, yeah, we just started off with some cricket games for kids and I just never quit. That's interesting. How, how did cricket get to Holland? I want to know because it seems a fairly random place to have quite an established uh, cricket setup. Well, established, I'm not sure because uh, most of the Dutch people still don't know the sport. Um, but obviously, our men are doing extremely well at the moment. So I, I see what you mean. Um, I mean, I guess compared to Belgium or to France. Well, actually, I read a while ago in National Geographic that. Cricket was invented in Belgium. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fake news. That's trying to rob <laughs> yeah. the English. I'm sorry to tell you, but... <laughs> no, I don't know, actually. Um, it's it, I feel like it's been in the Netherlands for quite a long time. Um, 
probably through some English people who basically lived in the Netherlands. Um, but yet, until this day, it's quite a small sport. Um, people still play hockey and football in school. And yeah, it's not really many people who play cricket. Very small community, which also makes it fun. And obviously, um, it gives great opportunities because, well, you reach the Dutch team um, I wouldn't say easily, but the chances are obviously bigger than if you live in England. And yeah, it brings a lot of great experiences and opportunities to play overseas. So so what's the state of play in terms of professionalism at the moment in Dutch cricket? Are there central contracts? Is it pay as you play or is there just nothing at all? Where are you at? Um, with the ladies at the moment, um, we got for the first time ever contracts, which is uh, quite positive for everyone. And um, yeah, I wouldn't say you you can't quit your job for it. It's uh, more to pay the expenses kind of you get by playing. Um, but yeah, it's better than ever. So I can't complain. It's a start and it's it's really nice for the men it's they're a bit a step ahead of us but I feel like hopefully for us more will come um we've got a nice new sponsor which I'm really close with since I work there now for the sponsor Caesar um yeah so that brings great new opportunities for us ladies I mean England women weren't professional until about 10 years ago so you know if you think one of the biggest like cricketing countries haven't had that then you know everywhere else it's going to take a little bit longer um but we mentioned about professionalism what about kind of opportunities to play for girls so of course yes you can play for the national team but what sort of setup is there below that are people just playing for local clubs or are there regional sides and how does that all work um yeah we have club cricket um it's at the moment not very big um we've got i think eight clubs at the moment um and that's like all levels mixed so people who like to play the highest level possible with the dutch team and also people just playing recreational cricket doing it for fun uh, having beers after and um, we now have a super league as well which is a t10 format and that's kind of in between the dutch team and the club cricket so we had that for the first time this year and was uh, yeah it was really good to have a bit of you know, an extra layer in between. So, so tell me the name of the, what club do you play for then in, in sort of club cricket or sort of regional cricket in, in Holland? I play for Quick in uh, The Hague, Den Haag. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been playing there my whole life. I haven't changed clubs ever and, um, well, except for playing overseas. And uh, I've been the captain for eight years now. Holly's just been, did you say she's been to The Hague? Yeah. This week? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we had yeah, the whole conversations when you weren't here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think she she had to go to the International Criminal Court, but all charges were dropped eventually, so she's uh, unable to carry on with the podcast. And <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean that that's amazing. Now, now looking in, into your story, there there's there is something I want to talk to you about, which is a bit maybe of a delicate matter, and that's about your bowling action. Yeah, because there've been there've been times when you've been. Um, snowballed and you've had to have some work on your bowling action tell me a, a bit about that story and how it happened and how you feel about that yeah I was already afraid that I might be coming <laughs> up in this podcast uh yeah normally I'm not really like screaming it off the rooftops because I'm still scared that uh you know things might go bad again 
but in 2018, I got banned for chucking. And uh, yeah, the process was pretty uh, intense, to be honest. Uh, the way I got told was uh, not really how it was supposed to go, I guess. And I guess also in an associate country, it's a bit more difficult to get cleared again. Uh, obviously, we don't have that many coaches. We don't have that many um yeah resources i guess because it's quite a technical complex thing to fix you can't fix something overnight um and yeah i've worked on my bowling action for years now with so many different coaches and yeah to be honest uh it was quite tough sometimes i thought it's never gonna work i'm just gonna quit cricket uh, but I finally got cleared. Uh, really uh, big, big thanks for our coach, previous coach, Shane Dites. Um, He came in, um, I think, two and a half years ago in our squad. And I just said, I want to be back to bowling because I used to open the bowling. And um, he said, we're going to do this. And it worked finally. So, yeah, I'm really happy that he stuck up for me. And this tournament, actually, European qualifiers, I opened the bowling again. So I felt like the circle was round and all my hard work is finally you know, rewarded. Yeah, I, I suppose it's really difficult with, with something like cricket because most of the sports, there's nothing that you can get banned for that you're not really doing deliberately. Because I suppose with the bowling action, you're not deliberately trying to chuck it. It it just happens. That's your action. But then, of course, you took four for seven against France in those qualifiers. Surely that must have been a moment. You mentioned that kind of full circle where you go, finally, it's kind of all all figured out. Yeah, definitely. Because I bowled um, in Thailand. So we were there in November, December last year for a tournament. And that was the first time I bowled again. And Heather Seegers, my captain, she said, okay, warm up. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, it's going to happen, you know? And to be honest, I took a few wickets, but I bought crap. And I was like, was this all the work I put in? But um, then I was in New Zealand this winter. And then I went um, to train with Dale Headley and he really helped me out. So this summer, I wasn't really sure whether I was going to be in the bowling squad. But I guess I took my chances and um, yeah, it just went really well. So I kind of didn't expect to bowl. And then in the end, I opened the bowling quite a lot of games. So yeah, I'm really, really happy. That's so good. That, that's so good. And you know, to, to have gone through those tough times, really tough times where you just question everything. And then yeah, to- It's actually to quite a more uh, mental thing, I guess, because mm -hmm. I had a few setbacks. I had a, a test earlier, which I failed which was also a bit weird because I had to bowl bounces and I've never had bowled bounces in my life before. So yeah, I didn't pass the test. Just kept on going for years. And yeah, I said before, I'm I'm never going to stop and try. And I finally did it. So yeah, I'm just thrilled to be honest. So now I'm, uh, I can say I'm a true all-rounder again, which I'm very proud of. And yes. it's also, you know, easy well, easy it's nice if you don't perform with the bat you can also ball in the game it can be frustrating to just be a better <laughs> yeah. that's amazing well, I mean these are exciting times for the Netherlands as well in terms yeah. of qualification so it, first of all you did really well in the European qualifiers so just remind us a little Thank bit about how that all ended up for you um well we had a really really good summer it was stacked with cricket we played Thailand um we played Jersey, um, we had like all these um, Ireland, 
these games before the European qualifiers. So I feel like we had a lot of cricket to prepare ourselves for that. Um, yeah, it was just great. You know, you, you can only get better by playing playing against good teams. And we came, yeah, we really competed. We won from Thailand, who are ranked like way higher than us at the moment. We came close to Ireland. And uh, yeah, we were ready, you know, for the tournaments for in Spain. Yeah. So having done well in that, what's the next level that you go to? We're going to the global qualifiers now. It's just confirmed that it's going to be in the UAE. Um, the dates are not confirmed yet, but it's going to be February, March, April. So we have a winter to prepare. So um, yeah, I'm really, really excited. And I'm really curious to see how we are going to perform, you know, against the top level countries. Yeah, so the other countries that are going to be, are, are, are Sri Lanka going to be there and West Indies? and um, uh, Yeah, so it's Ireland, Scotland, us. Um, it's going to be USA, um, Vanuatu is new, Thailand, uh, two from Africa, Zimbabwe, and, oh, I'm forgetting one. Ah, oh, sorry. Yeah, well, it's, it's right. you did. You you knew definitely knew more than I did. But um, that I mean that's amazing, isn't it? Because that is really next level that you're going up to, and that is a truly global tournament as well, yeah. isn't it? And just all those like, different um, cultures coming the, together. Sorry, sorry for talking over you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know the the tournaments that we are really eager to play. Um, we play a lot like a lot of us go overseas during the winter and so I feel like we are gonna be ready to compete you know we're not just there to play we really we're really gonna give it our best you know we have a lot of talent and I feel like we can close so many times and this is gonna be the moment hopefully that we're actually gonna you know get ourselves over that line we've played against really good countries i feel like we played most of the countries actually and we have beat thailand this summer uh with ireland we came close this summer you know it's like all these positive things we played against scotland we won obviously we lost a few as well but we're not going to talk about that too much <laughs> no i feel like we have a, a good chance but it's obviously we are all not full-time professionals and most of the teams we are playing against, um, yeah, they play a bit, they may, might be a bit more professional. So that's a plus on their side, but that doesn't mean we don't have a chance. Well, yeah, it, it is very exciting. As you say, some some teams have more investment and things like that, but, you know, we love an underdog story. That These things happen. And I think it's a great opportunity for the Netherlands. You mentioned about a couple of people going abroad and you went abroad uh, over the winter to New Zealand. What yes. on earth was that like? Because it must be really strange going to, firstly, on the other side of the world, but secondly, a country that actually cricket is massive over there and they have huge setups and things like that. So what, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was just awesome. I have played overseas before. Um, I played the season just before COVID hit um, in Melbourne with Stair Callis together and Gabby Lewis. We played in Melbourne. That sounds absolutely brilliant. And just getting that, you know, cross-cultural experience, isn't it? And, and, and ex you know, going to a different part of the world. It's so exciting. 
Um, I just I just love it when it's winter here and you fly somewhere else and it's summer. It's it, it's magic. I don't quite know how that works or it happens, but it, <laughs> it, it seems to it seems to work. And you mentioned Stair Callis, of course, a friend of our podcast. I mean, what an impact she's made as well on the game here in in the UK, both in the regional cricket and in the hundred as well. Yeah, it's super exciting for us to see. Obviously, she's a great friend of mine, so um, I'm really happy for her that she is now a full-time professional cricketer and for us you know it's also great to see that those things are possible um yeah we can uh, just hope for now but we can see it's close for more girls hopefully well you could be next that would be great yeah that, that would be great yeah for me that would be a dream come true to be honest so you mentioned obviously about the world cup that's a huge target for the netherlands but what are some of the other milestones that the Netherlands need to reach in the next couple of years, whether that's due with contracts or with with different like playing against different countries, winning series, that sort of thing? I feel like we have a lot of talent and a lot of potential within our team, but kind of the thing that um, makes it difficult for us is that we kind of have this cycle of girls that have the experience. They played for us for quite a few years and then they have to quit because while well, they're done studying, it's quite difficult to, in the Netherlands, most jobs are not very sport-minded to actually find a boss that says, oh yeah, sure, you can go to the World Cup qualifiers for three weeks, you know? Um, so it would be nice to have a bit more financial support so people can put more time in cricket. Um, obviously, now the the women's game is just growing so much it's exploding so i really hope also outside of the netherlands um that we could get opportunities overseas for example like the fair break or women's pl cpl those things are obviously awesome um that could really change everything for us and yeah i guess it, within the team and the coaching um we had a great great uh, coach before but he moved now um so we're looking for a new coach at the moment we've got an interim coach now i think for us it would be great if we would actually have a specialist coach like bowling batting fielding coach um so we can do more one-on-one -on -one stuff um yeah there's lots to improve but it i feel very positive at the moment because we've grown so much already yeah, and the opportunities are there, aren't they? And as Polly said before, it was only 10 years ago that England weren't professional at, at all. And so the, you know, the growth in standards that you could see over the next few years will be absolutely amazing. And I guess starting with the, the global qualifiers, it really gives you a chance to see how you match up. You know, so you've already seen Thailand, you you can beat them. So then let's have a look at some, some other countries around your level or slightly above you. And to see if you're at a, the stage now where where you can beat them as well, and um, you know, I guess maybe a team like Ireland is is maybe the sort of uh, next step for you, isn't it? The next level to to be able to start achieving what what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we're super close, and it's just like those small things that need to come together because most of the time we have like a few people that perform in the game, and but we're not that consistent yet so if we can improve that then I feel like we can beat any team <laughs> probably not but you know it's just the small things that need to come together and 
yeah, we will like achieve great things this winter. A lot of our girls are going overseas to play in South Africa, to play in Australia, in uh, New Zealand. I'm probably gonna go to India um, to see the World Cup with the men's. Yeah, that's super exciting. And then I want to go to an academy in Bangalore. So combine a bit of my own cricket with the World Cup. Then maybe go to Australia too later in the year. Um, yeah, it's just great. So everyone can still be in the game. Otherwise, in the winter in the Netherlands, you're just in an indoor hall, <laughs> artificial. It's obviously great that everyone is um, yeah, really trying to improve their cricket over the winter and we'll be ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. And I, I think strategically that seems really sound, doesn't it? Just to send you into different parts of the world, get you, you sort of build up your cricket education. And, you know, you look at Sri Lanka and what they've just done to England. You know, they've beaten England in their T20 series. Yeah. And again, that's that seems to me that's achievable for, for the Netherlands. You know, it's maybe not this year, but as you, as you build up those, there are definitely possibilities of, of doing that which is so exciting yeah i really hope so we have a lot of great players we obviously have stair babette iris willing was just nominated for player of the icc of the month um we have so much talent so many young girls who are so good um so yeah hopefully we can just stick together heather seegers as the captain she's always kind of like our um how do you say that english she just smashes it like crazy. So if everything comes together, we, we're going to be like, we're going to kill it at the global qualifiers. That's so exciting. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That has been absolutely brilliant to, to meet you, to hear your story, to hear about Dutch cricket. We are, we are big fans of the Netherlands here and, and definitely want to see you um, yeah, striding across the global stage. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Val. <laughs> I so enjoyed that interview, Polly. Yeah, I had so much fun recording it. I think sometimes you'll find with interviews that you just kind of click with someone. And, um, oh, she was fantastic to speak to and had loads to say, which was great. And I just love finding out about teams who actually who have to go through all the qualifying stages because it must be so frustrating um, when you get kind of so close. Um, but again, it's a great opportunity for them to play international cricket and play all over the world against so many teams. I mean, Vanuatu, it's so cool that Vanuatu are going to be in the qualifier. Um, so, yeah, really exciting. And, yeah, fantastic guest. Thank you very much, Rabina. Yes. So next week we'll be back with another guest. Another international cricketer who is going to be at the global qualifiers. Well, I look forward to that, Polly. And uh, you've got a busy week ahead of university? Yeah, same again next week. Um, yeah, I so don't... you don't you don't have anything on a Monday or a Friday, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I got a four day weekend. No, four four days for studying, um, <laughs> and then I actually it's quite an easy life. I've got I'm in all day Tuesday, but then I'm only in in the mornings on Wednesday and Thursday. So, although I do have a nine a.m. on a Thursday after sports night, so take from that what you will.
Uh, and is it true you've been playing some cricket as well? I've played cricket for the first time in about 10 months, which has been fantastic. So I joined the cricket team. Um, re- amazing turnout. There were about 20 people there, um, which was really good. I mean, because last year they just, it kind of was a bit non-existent. Um, and it's a two-minute walk for me, which is perfect. And um, yeah, there are a couple of cricket badges as well. So that's nice. Friends of the pod. Well, one of them did say, well, she followed the podcast, so she better be listening. I'll know, I'll know <laughs> if she hasn't listened. I'll just start yeah. dropping stuff in conversation. If she doesn't know, then I'll know she hasn't listened. Very, very good. We'll see. Uh, right. Well, ha- have a great week and uh, we'll we'll see everyone. We'll see. We don't actually we see, don't see anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back uh, with our special guest next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, which is Naughty Child Podcast, and Twitter, which is OO Child Podcast. 